0: Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. The book is written on the steps to get through any challenge in life. When this came about in our lives, and I'll recap in just a moment, but this diagnosis of cancer and leukemia with baby lion were huge things to deal with. And at first, in my mind, I felt honestly like a tsunami hit us. And at first, I felt completely unequipped, unprepared, un- manned to be able to deal with it. And then all of a sudden I found my spiritual footing and I realized, Hey, it's the same principles of faith and warfare and Bible teachings that we have lived and stood on and taught for over 45 years so it wasn't like we had to reinvent uh, reinvent the wheel or reinvent some ultra you know powerful force it was just doing what we know to do walking in faith and living by the principles that god has given us to overcome every battle we face So, like I said, this book is not just about dealing with cancer, although it is a great book to encourage people in that regard. But it's about overcoming the challenges that are in the world and that the enemy throws at us, whether financial, whether in our family, whether in our relationships, whether in all these crazy things going on in the world of instability. Where do we find our footing Right smack dab in the word of God and in his promises. How do we stand on a solid rock when all the rest is sinking sand? We grab those promises of God and we stand firm. No matter what tries to bowl us over. I I said two weeks ago in part one is that you know you have to find your footing in a storm. You know, we've got a team right now that is out in Florida. Pastor Wanderson and our team, we sent all kinds of supplies and food and help out there. And for all the people that went through that horrendous storm. And I use the illustration, though, is that if you watched the news reporters in that storm, that, you know, these hurricane winds are coming against them, you always see them get their stance And you see them lean into that storm and that wind. And that's how they keep their footing in the midst of that horrendous storm. Well, spiritually, you know, we live in a world. We're not of this world, but we live in this world. And so there's things that go on. And when these winds or storms come against us, they can blow us over. And we can find ourselves, you know, being being disheveled, being blown around, being uh, helpless. But when you lean into those storms and you find that footing in the promises of God. And God, when we had cancer diagnosis, I told myself and I realized our whole family, our whole staff. Hey, it's the same God, whether it's a cold whether it's COVID, whether it's cancer. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And there is absolutely nothing too hard for him. Now, I want you to listen to me today because it's very easy as believers just to kind of not let things sink in. Because we hear these scriptures so often, we hear about God, we sing about him, and sometimes it's just kind of, oh yeah, just rolls off, you know, oh yeah, he's God Almighty. Oh yeah, he's God with a big, you know, with a big G, but you know, I'm facing something that's really, really big. Well, I want you to literally let the scriptures and the teaching that I'm giving you today pierce your heart. Have you ever had what I call an aha moment? Have you ever had like there? I remember there was one time when I was first a Christian and I just, I never knew about the power of God. You know, we were, my parents raised us Catholics. We were CNE Christmas and Easter, <laughs> you know, and it was all good, but basically, you know, it was kind of a lot of ritual You didn't really study and live by the word of God. So all of a sudden I start hearing these scriptures that nothing is impossible for God. That God is a healer. That God is a good God. That he wants to be involved with our lives. And I remember one night sitting up and reading the Bible. It's like, what? What? You are? And having this aha moment, this revelation that God is real and that he is almighty powerful. He's not just walking down an aisle, giving it one of these. He's not just putting a wafer on your tongue and, you know, feeling holy for a moment and walking back. (laughs) Some of you are laughing. You've been there. You know, it's not just going into a little booth and telling all your sins from the week and then ending it with... I'll see you next week. Same sin, same time. I'll be right back. (laughs) I'm going to live my life. You know, well, that's me. Maybe you were, uh, you know. But anyway, that was me. But, you know, it's like you just don't realize. You know, let me tell you a little story. I remember hearing this story. I don't know if it's true or not, but it makes a really good illustration. But apparently this gentleman was a businessman and he was, uh, he was, uh, uh, golfing, and he ended up meeting this man. Didn't know who he was. Come to find out, they were golfing together, and this gentleman was uh, an oil sheik from the Middle East. They really hit it off and did some things. And the sheik told him, "Hey, I'd really like to help you and bless you. I'd like to. I'd like to buy you a special club." And so the man is like, oh, great, you know, uh, yeah, I've always wanted this nice golf club and this, you know. So he gets a hold of the man's secretary and and he says, okay, this is the club I want. Uh, It's uh, such and such, you know, really got a great swing. It's just, you know, I I wanted it my whole life. I'm so grateful. That's just such a blessing. And the secretary says, "Uh, sir, that's awesome, but he wasn't talking about a golf club He was talking about a golf club. (laughs) The entire business of a club. So he wasn't talking about a golf club. That was a few hundred dollars. He was talking about a golf club. that was millions of dollars that he wanted to give him. So I use that illustration because sometimes we look at the scriptures. Sometimes we see God's promises. And okay, okay, God will help me. Okay, well, you know, God, I'm going to believe you for, you know, I'm making minimum wage. I'd really like to make, get a raise of a dollar an hour, you know. God, that would be my biggest dream. And God has a vision and a destiny for you, not just to make more than minimum wage, but to maybe someday own that whole business, (laughs) to come up in management. To come up in favor, to come up in grace, to come up in wisdom, to become that business person that could actually run an entire business. Amen. So, so many times we limit what God wants to do in our lives because we have a very small vision. When, when we went through this with baby lion, Luke and Jen finally blessed us with a a newborn baby. They waited uh, let, 11 years in their marriage because they were so committed to their ministry and the things that they were doing. They wanted the time to be right. And so when they finally decided to have a baby, we were ecstatic. We were so pumped. We were all so happy. Baby Lion comes into the world and he was born actually on Simcha Torah, which is the day that we celebrate where God gave us his word, where he gave us the Bible, where he gave us the Torah. So that joy, they say it's the most joyful day of the year. That joy was evident in baby lion. I mean, he exuded laughter and joy and just a light. Seven months goes by one day. And I'm not going to belabor the story too much with Baby Lion because that's Luke and Jen's story to tell. But I just want to say to talk about what God has done for us is one day at seven months, Baby Lion wakes up. He's just crying and screaming. They couldn't console him, they couldn't get him calmed down. He had a fever, they couldn't get it down. Finally, out of desperation, it was the middle of the night, and they took him to the ER. Long story short, back and forth, back and forth. This went on for a couple of weeks as they were trying to figure out what was going on with him. In a matter of several weeks, all these tests, they were weeding out all these things that it could be uh, viruses, you know, all of the normal. Then they started realizing, okay, there's more that's going on here. So they started doing all these other tests for bigger things. Well, as they got through the lists and weighted them weeded them down all of a sudden the news was given well baby lion has leukemia at 7 months well childhood leukemia comes in several different forms but when leukemia comes in a 7 month old child it's completely a different ball game than say a teenager or even a five-year-old or a seven-year-old because a seven-month-old baby is not equipped to fight these things off, to have an immune system, to have all of the things that it takes to overcome something of that magnitude. So the day they got the, the news, we were all there, and the head of the oncology department of the children's hospital came in, sat down, told them what was going on, and said, this is how we're going to deal with this. We're going to admit you today. We're going to start chemo on Lion today. He will be on an IV for chemo for two years. You'll live in this hospital for probably six months in this room, a room on the fifth floor where all the children with cancer live. So instead of going home to their apartment and putting Lion to bed or laying down with him on the floor, rolling around, laughing, playing, pushing him through the park in the stroller, dressing him up in all the cute little clothes that they had gotten him, in his baby blankets that was all coordinated, baby lion, all these things, nope right into this hospital crib loaded him up completely put a port in his heart that would feed him the the chemo for the next 2 years he's got all these cords coming out of they pro- put him in this baby crib he can't even move because he's all corded up so how do you deal with that how do you deal with that That's not a little thing. That's not something, okay, well, it'll pass. This was life and death for their precious newborn. And I won't go into the statistics, but the statistics were not good. The statistics of a seven-month-old getting through this and getting past it. First of all, they couldn't even find any statistics to back it up because it was so rare. So they searched globally, and there was not even one case they could find of a baby that age surviving this. So how did we get through that? So hold that thought. So within a year of us fighting that, together as a family, in one, within one year, all of a sudden... Uh, You know, I think I told you, but we were in Israel, had a tour there of 160 people or something. We're dedicating our ambulances that we all bought together for Israel. Uh, They're not just an ambulance. They're a life-saving ICU unit that is like a hospital on wheels. Uh, I think we're working on our 10th one right now. And so, pardon? eight. Oh, amen. I thought you said eight. I was like, don't, 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 no, no, no. (laughs) Thanks, Andy. Andy's always on everything. We love you, Andy. I'm just teasing you. So, here we are dedicating this ambulance, and lo and behold, we're standing at B'nai Zion Hospital, which we have supported for many, many years, and we're at the entrance. All of a sudden, shoo! these lights and and sirens and this other ambulance pulls up with a patient in it. We're standing there and all of a sudden somebody looks and they go, that's our ambulance. It's got our logo on the side. This ambulance donated by uh, New Beginnings Church, Larry Hook Ministries. And we were just, we were jumping, we were screaming. I mean, you know, It was a life and death in this ambulance, but we were so thankful and so excited to be a part of seeing the fruit of our labor and to see, my goodness, what we're doing. Look at it, saving lives, literally. And so we're all laughing and and so excited, all our people. And then all of a sudden, another one pulls up and it's also ours. And Dr. Rofe, who's head of the hospital, he's standing there, he goes, what are the odds of this? He said, surely God is showing you the fruits of your labor. And so we're hugging and all of these things. And all of a sudden I feel this pain in my my abdomen. And I kind of leaned over on the ambulance. I thought, whoa, I may just need this myself. Well, we're here at the hospital. If I need anything, I guess I'm in good hands. Little did I know, get back to the U.S., few weeks later, I'm like, okay, I need to go check this out, whatever. End up three days later in an oncology doctor's room. I'm like, what is going on? So Larry, Anna, Katie are with me there. Luke and Jen couldn't be there. They're in the hospital with baby lion. Brandon's with the other kids, the sugars. And so all of a sudden he tells us, well, I know what this is. I've seen the CT scan. I don't need to do any further tests. I'm not doing biopsies. We're not going to waste any time because you have aggressive stage 3C ovarian cancer. There's no time to waste. He said it's spread. It's spreading fast. You probably only have had it one or two months, and it's already quite advanced. He said we don't have time to wait around. If you pedal around and do other things, we don't have that time. So immediately he said, I've cleared my schedule. This is the first time we met. I've cleared my schedule. We're going into surgery. I'll do surgery on you in three days. (sighs) What? (laughs) And I told the story. I'm not going to go into it all. But I'm just setting the tone so that you can understand how grave that situation and lion situation was. And how great God's rescue was and is. I want you to understand. I said this last time two weeks ago. But, you know, it's a very odd thing to write this book and to talk about these things. Because that's not our way. Larry and I are not people that, in our family that shares everything. You know, we, we share the victory at the end of it. But we don't get up, you know, on Sunday and say, church... Come on, y'all. We need prayer. I mean, you don't ever see Larry kind of roll out. Really going through it this week. I know y'all have needs, but I got some needs here. So, you know, I mean, you just, you don't see that in us. We're pastors. You know, we're leaders. Our leader is to bring you into the presence of God. Our leadership is to bring you into the promises of God. Our leadership in our lives is to lead the sheep into the greener pastures. So when this hit, it was like you know, all right, we'll get through this. But to write about it, number one, it was very intensive and very painful because once we got through it, I put it all in the rearview mirror. I wasn't I wasn't discussing it. I was just like, done. I'm done. I'm moving on. I got hair again. I got some energy. I'm getting on with life. (laughs) And then Charisma asked us to do a book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do that, you know. But once I had to start talking about it in the book, it was like, oh, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot how intense it was. And it was very emotionally painful. But I felt like I needed to tell the stories So that other people going through things can understand the depth of what we faced. Because so often, don't you feel, you know, somebody will come up to you and you're maybe you're going through something really heavy and somebody will be like, oh, it'll be okay, honey. I hope you'll be okay. Don't worry. You'll be fine. And in your mind, you're thinking, you don't even understand what I'm dealing with here. You have no concept of this. Well, this is why we wrote this book is so that others that are facing dire circumstances, cancer, sickness, marriage problems, facing divorce, facing this recession, garbage going on, facing all of the issues in the world, facing this onslaught of COVID, job layoffs, all the things that the world has been throwing at us, we need to understand how to man up, how to woman up, how to cowboy up, how to cowgirl up, how to rise above those circumstances, how to rise above what is happening in the natural realm and tap in to what God promises us in the supernatural realm. We need to learn how to walk it out, how to walk it out and how to access those miracles of God. Have you ever gone to a, uh, a spend, spend some money with your, your um? credit card or something and it's not activated or it's not um, working or something. And you're like, I remember this happened to me one time. I was so hungry. It was after a full day at work. I was so hungry. Larry was out of town. I'm like, I'm going to Winnie's. I'm getting me a number six and I'm going to chow down spicy chicken meal. Oh, so hungry. And so I pull up. I'm like, number six, my regular. And so I go to pay for it. And my credit card for some reason wasn't working. And I'm like, I realized the expiration date had taken place, but I hadn't seen the new one in the mail. So I'm like, no, try it again. Try it again. Try it. No, 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 no. I'm like, but that's my meal. (laughs) And she's like, honey, I can't give it to you till you pay for it. I'm like, I'm so good for it. I'm so good for it. I promise you, I have the money in the bank. Well, don't you have some cash? No, I don't carry cash. I only use that crazy card. She's like... Well, I'm sorry, dear, but I can't give it to you. I'm like, (gasps) I had to drive away with no lunch. (laughs) And I'm like, I had the money in the account, but I couldn't activate it. I couldn't access it. See, I think that's how God's promises are so many times. The money's in the account. He's already got your healing. He's already gotten your prosperity. He's already made provision for us. He's already got all that we need. He's already got the answers to our marriage. He's already got the answers and the solutions and the miracles already worked out for our children, our families, our health. But we don't know how to activate it. And we don't know how to access it. So this is why we wrote this book. Because when we face this, and we realized, okay, same thing we've always been doing. Same thing we've always been doing. And I wanna tell you how that is. I had to briefly tell the story and bring you up to speed on that. And let me say this. This is not about bringing attention to me, to our family, to what we went through. This is about bringing attention to what God got us through. Amen. That's so important for me that people understand this. I really have an aversion to people just looking for glory or looking for attention. That's not what this is about. And I pray to God you understand that. This is about we faced some stuff. We faced some big stuff. But our God is bigger. And what he's done for us, he can do for you or for others. Amen. So, yeah, this is a this is a rough story. But as Larry says, the ending is great. <laughs> so, let me just give you, what I want to do is give you some steps and some prayers and promises of how we got through this. I explained to you two weeks ago how when we sat there with the uh, oncologist and, he, well, in Lion's situation and then with, with me, this tsunami of fear just came over us. I mean, it's, that's, that's the kind of news that you're just not prepared for. And it's so devastating. The thing about cancer is it's not like, oh, I broke my arm. I need surgery. It's not like, oh, you know, I've got to get my uh, appendix out or something. I mean, when you hear that, when you hear that word, it's pretty definitive. <laughs> and it, uh, whew, so, did somebody say, tell me about it? Yeah. Amen, brother. <laughs> but it, it, it's got a, a clock ticking suddenly on your life, on your future. And what happened to me is as this doctor, he was sitting three feet away from us, and he's telling us this totally unprepared for this even though we had to go and see him we all knew this is nothing this is going to be like such a waste of time (laughs) and so as we're sitting there and he starts telling us about this what what's going on and that it's very aggressive and very fast working and extremely advanced and he starts telling us about all of you know blah blah what we needed to understand and know, the seriousness of it. Because if he hadn't, we wouldn't have taken it seriously. How many of you, it's like, oh, I got a, I got a mole on me. Oh, well, I'll deal with it next year. <laughs> you know, instead of just saying, okay, I need to deal with this and go to the dermatologist to get it checked out. We're always procrastinating. We always do. It's like, eh, it's nothing. Eh. Well, that's how we would have been, honestly. If he hadn't been so serious, I'd have been like, <laughs> Hey, I got plans. I got things to do. I'll get back to you in a few months. Well, I didn't have a few months to piddle around. So he was very serious. And so as he's talking, it's like I had this tunnel vision. I started feeling dizzy, and, and I had this tunnel vision, and it seemed like he was across the football field. And I'm just trying to hear what he's saying, but in my mind had this flash not of my past, but of our future, all the big events coming in our lives, Katie getting married, the boys growing up, Aviva getting, someday getting married, all Lion growing up and, you know, celebrating, all of the great events of my children growing, of me growing old with my family, all these things. But I wasn't in the picture It was all those things in the future, but I wasn't in the picture. And it just hit me. And it was just, it was so fearful and so horrendous. And it all happened in a split second. And then all of a sudden, I mean, this was a split second. And Larry and the girls are there. They're frozen. I'm frozen. We can't even, like, look at each other. We're just frozen. And then all of a sudden, he says... Well, and then we're going to do surgery, take out whatever needs to be taken out, and then we're going to start you on chemo two weeks after that. And it'll be four to six months, and it will be hard. It will be the hardest and the most intense chemo that's, that your body can tolerate. And it will hit your body hard. I'm just going to tell you. He said, you'll lose your hair within one to two weeks. That brought me out. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Well, it wasn't totally just the thing of losing your hair. But it was the reality of losing your life as you know it. It, The severity of what we were facing hit me like a lightning bolt when he said that. Because I realized in my heart had that aha moment of what we were dealing with and facing. So with that, that fear, all those pictures that were in my mind... Of me not being a part of our life anymore. I even saw my family standing over my casket. I don't think I've said that out loud yet. (laughs) But in my mind, I saw them all consoling each other, crying over me in the casket. All those thoughts, I didn't conjure them up. I didn't entertain them. They just were there. Because that was the reality of what we're facing. So, anyway, when I started crying then, everybody rushed over. Larry and Katie rushed over. We all grabbed each other and just sobbing, listening. And then in that, in that moment, we all started muttering. That's all right. God's bigger than this. God's bigger than this. My kids said, Mom, you're not a statistic. You're not a statistic, mom. God is greater. God is greater. This is nothing for God. This is not impossible. This is not what it's going to be. You will live and you will not die. I mean, immediately, that faith deposit within us, those scriptures, those promises, all the things we've built our life on, all the things we've taught to others, all the things we've battled through, instead of being flooded, by all those terrible thoughts within us, all of us, those, that faith and those scriptures and those declarations and God's promises. And his power rose up within us and arrested those thoughts. Arrested those thoughts. Was it still real? Yeah. Was it still scary? Yes. But that tsunami that was trying to take us away... From faith was arrested and stopped. I said two weeks ago that scripture. When the enemy comes in like a flood. God will raise up a standard against him. Did you always kind of wonder what that really meant? Well think if a tsunami is coming in and rushing to take over whatever is in its path. That's an, an attack from the enemy. A flood. God said I will raise up a force equal or greater. To stop it and counterattack it. And that's exactly what happened in that moment. That's exactly... Hey, I'm not just giving you words or preacher's hype. I'm telling you the reality of the power of God. When the worst thing you could imagine came against us. And God met us at that point of need. And began immediately to reverse that process. And reverse those reports. Now we did... Have the surgery. It was a doozy. (laughs) And we did do the chemo. And that was an adventure. (laughs) And I did lose my hair. Everything. It wasn't fun. But when you're facing cancer, I know some people said, well, if you really believe God... Why did you do the surgery and why did you do chemo? Why didn't you just trust God? Well, I did trust God. But I did everything in the natural that I possibly could to arrest this. This was a big issue. This was a big life and death. I wasn't taking any chances. I don't believe there's a conflict between medicine and spirituality. I believe that God has given medicine. And I believe God has given scientists and breakthroughs. Not to be in opposition, but to work with God. He is the author, the creator of all wisdom, all knowledge. Hey, we're not still driving around in a horse and buggy. We're not still trying to carve a wheel out of a stone Instead of a square, trying to push it around, God gives us wisdom to grow and to have knowledge and to move forward. So all these things are advances that I thank God for. So we did everything in the natural that we could, and then we believed God to put his super to that natural, and that's what God did. So even on the day, the checkup after the surgery, my... Tumor marker had been like 400. Pretty high tumor marker for cancer in my body. The day after the surgery, between the surgery and God's miracle, I was down to a normal reading. Cancer-free. Amen. Then we went ahead and we did the chemo. Because if it comes back, it comes back with a vengeance. We weren't taking that chance. And so we did it. So all that time and even to present I have been cancer-free. Amen? So has Lion. Same thing. Lion just turned five years old this week. And I'm telling you, he is a wild man. He is an incredible, incredible little guy. And the thing is, is that God just does more and more and more. So my point today is in just a few minutes, I just want to give you some of the highlights of how we stopped that tsunami, how we reversed that curse, how we moved forward day by day. I've said this, but many times we want that giant miracle. God can do those giant miracles, one and done. <laughs> We've prayed with people for 45 years and seen Every type of miracle you can imagine. Sometimes we see God instantaneously. We've seen women and men come out of wheelchairs and get up and walk for the first time in 25 years. We've seen those kind of miracles. We've also seen miracles like when Jesus prayed for the blind man. And he said, how's it going? (laughs) Well, I can see men as trees walking. Well, then let's pray again. Then he saw better. How's it going now? Well, I can... Okay, come on, let's pray one more time. That was Jesus. That was Jesus. You know what? That doesn't alter my faith. That gives me comfort. That gives me comfort. I don't know about you, but it's easy to get discouraged. Sometimes we pray, we don't see what we hoped for necessarily. And it's easy to walk away and say, well didn't work for me. I've seen people bitter, bitter at God because they didn't get what they were hoping for. Well, guess what? Our faith should not be built on circumstances. Our faith should not be built on getting things exactly the way we see or want. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. I don't know why I have a lot of questions I'm taken to the throne room when I get there. However, What I do know is whether we see the instant results or whether we see uh, extended results, we can still get those giant miracles. Sometimes a miracle, a huge miracle, comes in the form of one enormous breakthrough miracle. Many times it comes in the form of hundreds of smaller miracles that add up to that giant miracle. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if... When Lion got his diagnosis, when I got mine, that we had prayed that day, walked out of the room, it was done. It was gone. It was over. Instead, we saw miracles by the moment. We saw those giant miracles. We saw those giant breakthroughs. But we also had to walk some things out. And I think that's where a lot of people get hindered. They're like, God, where are you? What's happening? Why am I having to deal with this? Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning when this was all going on, and my first thought would be, Is this still going on? <laughs> I'm the type of person that's very impatient. Not because it's just, you know, not because I'm imposed upon, but because I've got things to do. And I'm very impatient. My family teases me because years ago we were talking about a family vacation, and Larry says, Hey, well, I said, because I'm from Montana, and I said, I want us to go to Montana. I want us to go. I want my kids to see Yellowstone. I want my family to see what I grew up in. And Larry's like, oh, you know, we could rent, a, we could rent an RV, and we could drive up the coast, Highway 101, and we could just, you know, take our time getting there. And I said, no. I want to get there and be there. <laughs> I don't want to drive. I want to get there and be there. <laughs> so that became our family motto. The next Christmas my kids made a doormat had a doormat made for me. Get there and be there. <laughs> so I just heard we were talking about it the other day, Katie said that's even a motto on the staff right now. Get there and be there. <laughs> I like to get it done. I don't like hanging out in you know. But with this whole adventure, sometimes I'm not kidding. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, is this still going on? (laughs) And having to deal with things sometimes gets a little tedious. Gets a little, little anxiety going in us, right? But that's when we still fight the fight. How did we deal with that tsunami? Immediately to my mind comes Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Not somebody else's. I am. He's my God. I will strengthen you, help you, and withhold you with my righteous hand. In other words, picture that. God said, don't fear. Don't fear. I've got you. I'm going to strengthen you, equip you. And I've got you by my hand. You know, one time in Portland, this guy came in. He'd he he he'd been in a bad way of life. And, uh, you know, caught up in drugs. His father had been abusive. All these different things. <clears throat> this story tears me up all the time. And so, he was struggling with... He gave his life to the Lord. But he was still struggling with the internal issues. And... He was feeling really condemned that, you know, he messed up and this and that. And he said, so he went ahead and he came back to church the next Sunday. And he was bringing his family into church. And he's walking his little boy up the steps to the balcony. His little boy's about three. So he's got his hand. And all of a sudden, he said his little boy stumbled on the step. And he said, just with his hand, he just lifted his little boy to the next step. And on they went instinctively as a father would and he said it hit him that that's how God was with him that God wasn't waiting for us to trip up and punish us that instinctively as our father we stumble on that step God's got us with his right hand just lifts us up to the next step and on we go so when you read that scripture I want that image In your mind, God, with his own righteous hand, lifts us to that next level. I hope you feel that, because right now I feel that. We're not perfect. We face issues. Sometimes it seems like, wow, I just feel like I'm stumbling. I'm not getting anywhere. And yet God lifts us up to that next step. And pretty soon we get up to that top balcony with him. That's pretty comforting. I tell you Psalms 34, three and five Magna, <laughs> You've heard me tell this so many times, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. We look unto him and our face is lightened. You know, I've told you this before, but you know what a magnifying glass is. Do you ever like to go and take a telescope outside at night and look at the stars instead of a little tiny dot? Whoa. What does it do? You know, a magnifying glass or a telescope, it doesn't change how big that thing actually is. It just allows you to see it larger. And so what that means is when you face a report of any type, whether it's like what we did or whether it's just, hey, I got some... Stack of bills that are this big. And a stack of cash that's this big. What do we do? We don't magnify the problem. We magnify his promises. Well you have a very, very, very small chance of making it. Well guess what? I have a very, very, very great God. Who is bigger and more powerful than anything that I could face. He's bigger than a cold. He's bigger than COVID. He's bigger than cancer. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to focus. First thing in the morning, you wake up, what tries to flood your mind? Oh, bills, commitments, relationships with us in these last two years, all that went along with that diagnosis. So what do you do? Lay there and think about it. No, immediately. Oh, oh, God, I magnify you. Whoo, Lord, I magnify you. Even if you're not feeling it by choice, by faith, by dedication, by declaration, you choose to walk into the promises of God. You choose not to magnify all that's going on negative. You choose to magnify God And who he is. And you cover yourself. You fill your heart. You make that choice. That I don't care what comes against me. I'm going to trust my God. I have a saying. uh, Fear comes when we picture our future without God in the picture. Isn't that what happened to me in those news when that tsunami? Fear painted the picture... Of my future without God in the future. Therefore I wasn't in that future. But faith and courage comes. When we picture our future through God. In the picture. So what did we do? We counteracted those pictures. I never even said out loud. Even to my family. Those images that went through my mind. Until I wrote the book because it was, I'm not going to voice that, but to show what happened, I want the steps of how we erase that to be brought to people. So immediately we began to counter those thoughts. We've always done this, but we began to envision me at all those things. We began to God had given me Psalms 103. So I took Psalms 103 and I thought, all right, I'm going to live to be 103. Should the Lord tarry and should <laughs> should I not want to be here, but I'm going to live to be 103. And I'm going to grow old and I'm going to rejoice in the fruit of my life. I'm going to see every day, every moment, every second that God intended for my life to be. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I'm not a statistic. I am a child of God. I'm not going by a doctor's report, but God bless our doctors. But I'm not giving my life, structuring my future around a medical report. I'm structuring my future around God's promises. His very name is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. His very name is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. His very name that he gave to us is Jehovah Shammah, whatever we need him to be, whenever we need him to be it. Those aren't things that we as needy humans made up or hope for. Those are his very names and nature that he told us he is. When we choose to know the names of God, when we choose to focus in on that, we begin to realize no problem is too big for him. And he has promised us, when you focus in on his names, you understand his nature. And that's why I love this scripture on magnify the Lord and exalt his name. That's something that I do every day. My kids will tell you from the time they were little, I'd drive them to school. We'd have our prayer on the way to school. What did we say every single day? The names of God. We'd pray But we didn't bring our big prayer list before the Lord. We brought the names of God and we spoke them and we declared them because that's who he is. And that's what we want to focus on. So you arrest that fear by standing on those promises of God. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows every issue of life whew, that's a biggie. That needs to be every one of our life scriptures. That has always been one of my main life scriptures because it's all in our heart. As we see things in our heart, our mind, as we visualize, that affects every issue of our life. If I would have continued to see and dwell on me not being present that would affect everything pastor tins are you saying that that we control our destiny no i'm not but i am saying god has an appointed time for all of us but in the meantime the enemy is going to attack our lives in certain areas and try to silence our voice try to sidetrack us guess what we have to involve ourselves in spiritual warfare Some of it is praying. We're going to teach you those things more and more. I've always been a prayer warrior. I know how to pray. And I conjured all that up for this to go into overdrive. But you pray against those things. A lot of our prayers not need to be just begging God. Oh, help me, God. Oh, help me. Oh, no, it needs to be declaring the promises of God. What I did, and this is in the book, Raphael Cruz called me. He goes, you need this, you need my hundred scriptures that I pray every single day of my life. You need to do this. I was like, that's great because I never I never did that. I prayed, I spoke the promises, but he gave me a hundred scriptures. And so every single morning through this, I would get up, it was the first thing I did. I'd go get with, with God alone, I'd put my prayer cl- prayer to lead on my prayer shawl and I would begin to just voice those scriptures I would begin to speak them out loud I would begin to let them saturate my soul saturate my mind my heart every part of me and to activate in my body oh what does that mean it means that the living word of God is alive And when we plant it within our soul, it activates literally. Oh, I don't know, Tiz, that sounds pretty hocus pocus. Read the Bible. (laughs) The word of God is living. And when we plant it in our hearts, our souls, just as our minds, our spirits, it activates in our body as well. Oh, she's really getting out there on a limb now. I don't know about that. Try it. Try it try it. People say all the time, if I could just see a miracle, I would believe in miracles. Where's baby lion? Where's Tiz right here? Two of them, two biggies. Come on y'all look at it and see what God has done for us and let him do that for you. What is wrong with trusting God? What is wrong? I would so rather over trust than under trust. I don't want to miss out on a moment of my life. I don't want to miss out on one promise. I don't want to stand before God one day. And yes, we get in, but see all the things that could have been. All the things that should have been. But we cut short our faith and our active spiritual life to get there. Amen? So these scriptures, I've got hundreds of scriptures but let me just say this. Psalms 118:17. I will live and not die, and I will proclaim what God has done. Just that alone. That scripture probably doesn't mean much until you literally are facing. And that was the first thing that I had to resolve in my spirit. I will live And not die. And I will declare the works of God. I had to convince my spirit and my heart. I am not going to die from this. That was number one. It wasn't even God, I want you to heal me or all of those. Number one, I had to understand that God gives us the power and the choice to grab hold of those promises If not, those scriptures like that would not be in the Bible. I will bless those who bless Israel. Larry and I called upon our giving, our sowing, our merits, our life's work. He said, God, we have sown into others. We stood in front of those ambulances and the hospitals in Israel while this was in my body. Saving lives in those ambulances and those hospitals. I was calling on that. God, we have sown. We have saved literally thousands of lives by our works and our effort. Are you buying God's works? No, we are sowing and we have continued to sow. And that harvest is promised by him. And we called that in for lion and for me. Then we went on and we prayed and we prayed these scriptures every day. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He has healed me of all my diseases. He has broken every curse and iniquity in my life. He has covered me and crowned me with his goodness and his promises. And guess what? He renews my youth every day like the eagles. I did pray that one. And I'm telling you, I know it works. Mark 10, 27. Nothing is impossible or too hard for him. You are the God that heals me. Exodus 15, 26. God's promise of who he is. God, you are the God that heals me. Declare it in your life. Don't just let the world come at you and run your life and your future. Rise up. Grab the promises of God. Stand on them firmly. Put your foot down and declare nothing but the will of God. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you, as I said before. Psalms 34, 3 through 5. Magnify the Lord, exalt his names, and he will lighten my face. I'm telling you, we can be so cast down. You ever see people, you don't even have to hear a word out of their mouth. They're defeated. They're worn out. Hey, sometimes life just beats the tar out of us. And we are worn out. But what do we do about that? Stay in that position spiritually, mentally, and physically? How's that for a battle? You're not going to win that way. You have to choose faith. You have to choose that downcast position and emotion. You have to lift your heart and lift your soul and look unto God Magnify him. I'm telling you. When you go through chemo. Or you go through this. I'm telling you. It was not easy. You know I'm a pretty. Aggressive. Positive. Happy. You know. Person naturally. But it was tough. And I did not feel. Like doing any work. I didn't feel like. Doing anything. I mean, it was just, I felt mashed and I had to choose to rise up in my spirit, lay hold of who he is, put on some praise music, put on some TV programs of faith preachers. I had to choose to fill my heart. I had to choose to get up and go sit under my tallit and speak those scriptures. And sometimes it was just all I could do to even get them out. Sometimes it's a lot of faith just to raise a tiny pinky to God. But when we do it, what did he say? I will strengthen. I will strengthen you. And as we look unto him, he will lighten our face. Why is that important? Because our face shows our faith. Our face shows our heart. Our face face shows our spirit. You know, if you see somebody downcast, it's evident. If you see somebody excited, it's evident. If you see somebody confident and bold, it's evident and it affects your face. Well, I am smiling on the inside. Well, let it get out to your face. Because faith, I believe that joy and faith are married. I genuinely, genuinely do. And I always have, and I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to close. But it's so important to put it on. Listen, I did not feel like being a leader. I did not feel like being a faith person. I did not feel... Like praying. I did not feel like being joyful. I did not feel like smiling. I can tell you that for sure. But that's all wrapped up together. And each one of those things I chose. Sometimes, I literally, I would roll out of my bed. I couldn't, I had an incision from here to here, and I couldn't just get up. I literally had to roll in and out for quite a while and I would sometimes be so downcast I'd be like I need to get on my knees and I need to pray and I would literally roll out just in my privacy get down on my knees and I just sometimes I couldn't even speak to him but I just would enter into his presence just say God you got this You got my future, you got my life. You have my soul. You have my family. I'm not going to worry, but I'm going to war. And I just talk to him and I get stronger and stronger. And at some points I could literally get up and do my stomping prayers. <laughs> Gently. You know me, when I get into prayer I'm like put your foot down and declare it. You know, I'm like I'd be like <laughs> but I would do it. I would do it. I would do it and it would change my countenance. It would fill my heart. Just that one little act of obedience would just a game changer. And even though I was not feeling it, all of a sudden my heart, I would begin to feel it. I'd begin to feel it. I'd begin to have faith rise up inside of me. I'd begin to have those fears pushed out of the way. I'd begin to have that depression. Overcome. I'd begin to have that scary doubt and fear. And I would not allow those thoughts to dwell in my mind. And all those thoughts that came and flooded in of me not in the picture, I countered that with, nope, there I am. There I am. I would see it. I would see it. With lion, the same thing. We would picture and pray. We would picture lion playing in the dirt. We would picture Lion playing on a swing set. We'd picture him up there running around happy. All those things. And guess what? He is that little boy now that we pictured and envisioned. Every time we'd do Shabbat on a Friday night, we would picture the whole family being there. While Luke and Jen and Lion were in the hospital living there on that oncology floor. Surrounded by babies and children with te- terrible cancer. Many of those children did not make it, and you would see all of these things that surrounded them. Listen, we had to envision something different. We had to envision not that. We had to guard our mind. We had to put that aside. Not that we didn't have compassion. But our faith had to be focused on God's promises. Not on what was surrounding us. And we would picture being at our house. Having our normal parties. Our family parties. We'd picture lion running around doing this and this and that. And I'm telling you. We are there. That's reality now. It wasn't just a vision or a hope. That's reality now. Amen. I'm telling you, faith is powerful. There's so much more that I could just go on and on about. But let me also just close with this. Romans eight twenty eight, All things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purposes. I remember telling Luke and Jen after this diagnosis came with Lion. No, we didn't understand it. How do, you, how do you make sense of that? That's not in the book. That's not how it should have been. But I told them, I said, listen, what dad and I have done all these years, what we've taught you guys, we don't always understand. We someday, when we're with the Lord, we'll maybe see the broad picture. But what we do know is Romans 8, 28. And that all things work together for the good Of those that love God and are called according to his purposes. And God is a restorer. He is a God of restoration. He's a God that heals broken things. He's a God that repairs a broken world. And broken lives and broken hearts. And broken relationship. He's a God that is a giver, not a taker. And guess what? He is your God. He is your God. So right now, I want us to stand together. I am telling you all these things not to paint a dark picture, but to show you the greatness and the light of what God has done. And just like I said a few weeks ago, if you know anything about art, if you look at, even if you look at the book cover that I created, I designed this because I wanted to show the darkness In the world with the light of God breaking through and piercing the darkness and hitting on your life right where you're at. On the giant planet, God sees lasers in on you. So with all the darkness in this crazy world right now, even today it's cloudy and raining outside... The skies are dark. But have you ever seen one of those little lights open up in the clouds? That's like you showed. We won't go into that, but where God's light of heaven just pierces through. And sometimes you just see it hit the ground. I want you to envision that. No matter what you're facing, no matter how dark it is, no matter how despair filled it is, God's promises will pierce that darkness and laser sharp come right to your life not just to the entire world in general to you right where you're at right where you're at so lift your hands right now don't just seek the miracle seek the miracle worker i want you to lift your hands and begin to praise him I want you to lift your hands and brandon i want you to just to begin to sing softly and today before we go any further and pray for miracles i'm going to pray a prayer of salvation because that's where it begins it begins with us being right with god when i did all these things when our family did all these things to press through for our miracles We never forgot that we weren't just asking for a miracle. We were getting to know and have relationship with the miracle worker. Prayer and a relationship with God leads to miracles. But that's the foundation. So right now I want you to lift your hands and say, Father, I come to you. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I give my life to you anew and afresh. This day, I give my heart, my soul, my family, my future to you. Father, I give not only the good things in my life, but I give the challenges to you. You've said, cast your cares upon you Because you care for us and you will lift those burdens off our hearts. So Lord, we literally give them to you. I want you to symbolically lift your hands and literally give your burden to the Lord. Whether you need a healing or a miracle in your body, give that to the Lord right now. If you need a miracle in your finances, give that to the Lord right now. If you need a miracle in your family, in your marriage, with your children, picture giving that, giving them to the Lord right now. I want you to picture that as you give it, God is taking. One version of that says, Throw your cares upon the Lord, for he careth for you. You're not looking at somebody who just doesn't care or who is aloof. You're looking at God, your Father, God Almighty. And not only does He care and see, He already has worked out the miracles, the promises, and all of the solutions for your life. Take that burden off your back and give it to God right now. Now lift your hands and we're going to pray for God's breakthrough right now. Father, we thank you that we don't come to you as beggars. We come to you as your children. We don't come to you hoping that you can help us or hoping that you care. We come to you knowing who you are and we exalt you, Lord. We lift up your names. We magnify you and we exalt your names. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You are Jehovah Shalom, our peace. You are our victory. You are the God that goes before us, with us, and after us, confirming your word, releasing favor, grace, equipping, strength, your provision, your healing, your peace, your joy, your victory, your love. And God, you're anointing to do what you've called us to do and be who you've called us to be. Father, we thank you for your promise in Isaiah fifty-five, eleven, that you are watching over your word to perform it. And God, we find our peace in that. We find our stance in that, God. And even with the storms of life raging around us, we plant our feet, we plant our heart, our soul, our mind, and our future in your promises and your word. And we declare nothing but the will of God in us, for us, and through us. And we thank you, God, that anything we face, nothing is impossible with you. Thank you, Lord, for how great you are. How great you are. We exalt you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. Come on. I want you to press through. Press through. Press through, break out of that oppression, break out of that old grave place and break into the light, the promises and the miracles of your God. Amen. Amen. Come on. Did that help you today? Come on. Let me know that God has touched you today.